This is County Fire Insight for Tuesday, June 15, 2021. Everybody, welcome to Insight. We got a couple of guests with us. We have uh, Denti, our new arson dog, and Investigator Sean Reese. You know, you guys, guys and gals, have seen Sean around. Uh, this morning, we had a press conference. We were able to introduce Denti officially to the public and to our supervisors who were in, in attendance and talk about this great program through State Farm. Sean asked you to be with us, um, talk a little about the dog, the training, and then talk about the interaction uh, with the dog, either in an office environment or if you're out in the field working. Awesome. Thank you, Chief. Um, this is Denti. He's a four-year-old uh, lab. Uh, we recently went in April to uh, New Hampshire for training between New Hampshire and Maine for our training with the Maine uh, Canine Specialties. We came back uh, the 30th and we graduated and I brought Denti home. Our training for that period was a month long, Monday through Sunday, 10 hour, 10 to 14 hours a day of working with the dog. Um, they put us through training far as burn buildings, um, how to teach us sniffer evidence, how to uh, <coughs> basically learn how to work your dog. Um, we came back and we got back here. We uh, started hitting the ground running, got calls and you know, putting the dog on scene. I went and assisted uh, our local agency and uh, worked the fire, wildland fire, and uh, came back and got positive results back from the lab that there was some uh, gasoline in the origin. Um, so that was good news for us. Uh, for office setting, you know, I, I bring him up to the Fifth Street, I bring him all over the fire stations, and when he's working, not working, he's a normal dog. He's very, um, he brings the best out of people, especially when you're having a bad day. But, you know, people enjoy seeing him. They like to love on him. Um, when he's not working, he's pretty much a normal dog. He's pretty much a, uh, you know, a family pet at home. Uh, when he's working and we have the, the food pouch on and we're working and he knows it's time to work. Um, you know, if you see him around the fire station, I've been bringing around the local fire stations and letting people get to know him a little bit. And he's pretty friendly. I mean, he's not a mean dog at all. He's not a bite dog. And his job is just basically to sniff out um, accelerants, um, any kind from like gasoline to lighter fluid to anything that has, could be an edible liquid, that's his job to sniff out. Um, for, for the most part, um, you know, he's available to the county or to our agency at any time. Um, when you request an investigator, I'll be, if I'm on, or if you need a special request, you can call us and let us know, hey, you know, we got this. You can request that. As far as outside agencies right now, it's still being in the works. It can be done. Um, you just gotta go through the proper channels through uh, Chief Horton and uh, my supervisor, Brian Headley, if it's outside agencies. But um, soon that'll be available at, uh, to everybody. Um, that's pretty much it. So Denti's the first dog in 25 years. Our last one was Meg. Those of you, you might remember Captain Donnie Easton. And Meg did a good job getting out there and uh, catching some arsonists for sure. It was a great program. And we want to thank uh, the Fire Marshal's Office and you, Sean, for taking the responsibility on a dog. Now, we're, we're talking about getting a second dog through the State Fire Marshal. Not, excuse me, not through the State Fire Marshal, through uh, State, State Farm, Farm Insurance. Right who paid for the full training, paid for Sean's time back there. So we wanna, we wanna thank State Farm for this valuable tool. It's also great for PR events. So if you're gonna be attending a PR event, uh, please reach out to Sean directly and email, okay? Yes. Yeah, just yeah. go ahead and email him, Sean Reese, R-E-I-S, yeah. and make that request. But we want Denti to get out there and to help us put the best face forward on the programs we're doing. And speaking of that, I wanna transition a little bit to uh, Mike McClintock. Chief, you wanna come up? Thanks, Sean. Okay. Appreciate it. She wants to stay. <laughs> yeah. 
So here's Mike. He is here at Admin for us. Poor guy. Oh, yeah. um, but you're working on a couple things that we asked you to uh, come in for. One is a field PIO program. Uh, field PIOs have just done an amazing job. They've really positioned County Fire in the forefront of being one of the most respected fire departments in our nation and certainly followed on social media. Uh, create a lot of envy with the other fire departments on the things that our folks get to do. Mike, we need to support our field PIO program more, and that's uh, one of the things I ask you to do is come in, take a look at this, and how can we support the men and women that are doing such a great job making sure that county fires advertise in the right way on our emergency incidents. But the second piece that I asked you to work on is really the community outreach. Now, as I mentioned before, FP5 will be repealed again. They're collecting signatures. Um, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to outreach to our communities, to make sure that we're highlighting the community involvement and the great things that you're doing every single day. So Mike, can you talk about those programs for me? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two and a half years ago when I promoted, I was uh, tasked with the field PIO program. Really the program was uh, incident-based, so I was in charge of uh, coordinating responses back, uh, incident-based social media and responses to the scene. And obviously with 150,000 calls a year, that's a full-time job on top of my BC's uh, stuff. Uh, the Chiefs asked me uh, about a month ago to come down to plan for some long-term field PIO and also some community re outreach uh, based PIO. So what I'm doing is I'm reaching out to you guys. Uh, you know, we have a thousand employees with uh, a diverse uh, skill set. I'm going to be sending an email out uh, asking for some help. Uh, I think we do a great job uh, highlighting our incidents on a day-to-day -day basis. We have no shortage of that. But I, I'm looking to get uh, some feedback and some information from the other things we do day to day, whether it's community-based relations, uh, public events. Now that COVID's winding down, we're getting out in the field and kind of getting out more and more. We're looking to highlight those positive things in our community to kind of outreach uh, the community base. We're gonna be sending email out a couple things. Uh, I'd like uh, everyone to subscribe to the photo stream. The photo stream is a photo sharing way uh, through your Apple iPhone that you can send photos up uh, to the PIOs. Uh, work directly with your captains and battalion chiefs for pushing any positive information out. Even some of the, uh, you could consider pretty minor things, actually get a lot of traction and really highlight us in the best possible way. Another uh, thing I, I'm reaching out to is about our video program. Uh, our helmet-based video program, been around 10 years. I worked on the initial uh, startup of that, and I'm working with Captain Jeremy Kern and Chris Saucerman. Uh, out of the high desert who coordinate that program. There was a lot of reservations um, after the Kobe Bryant um, blowback of some of the photos uh, that were taken willingly by police and fire. Um, we're treating uh, in the video program, the PI program, the helmet-based cameras as just like a body-worn uh, camera for the police departments or law enforcement. If it's being taken in an official capacity, it's, it's not a big a deal. So, you know, there is some concerns. If you have concerns of why you're not filming, you can always reach out to myself or Captain Kern. Uh, those are some ways that we can really highlight our department, both on the community side and actually the uh, incident-based sides, and we use it a lot for internal training for our new captain's candidates. Um, I'll be sending that email out. Look, uh, look out for it tomorrow or the next day. Um, I'd really like to tap into all our diverse skills and abilities, whether it's um, highlighting um, our warehouse folks, our awesome support staff, our public uh, public pr uh, prevention, or our operations. Uh, please reach back to me. We're looking for a great team to help us out and highlight our fire department. Steve Monson. Thank you, Mike. So Mike agreed to a very short term in admin, I think five years? He, okay. Not so much. <laughs> not five years. We'll get him back in the field. And you, you may see him out there on incidents specifically and still 
uh, working overtime and going to those incidents. Uh, Chief McClintock, thank you. What you're doing is tremendous and very needed in this department. I want to introduce a couple of other uh, folks. We have uh, Natalie Campos from ISD. We have Tom Strong. Those of you know Tom Strong, he's uh, one of our leads in San Bernardino. You guys developed an app over the last two years, in 2020 and now 2021, that's won a NACO award. So let me read here. The uh, National Association of Counties, NACO, for the second year running. This year, you received the NACO Achievement Award for their Firework Reporter application in the category of Criminal Justice and Public Safety. And this app has received incredible local and even national attention. We've had many organizations, other fire agencies, reach out to us and say, hey, what are you doing? We want to learn. We want to take this application for us. In 2020, you won a NACO Information Technology Award for their very popular damage assessment application, which we ended up using on the Eldorado fire, right? Correct. I couldn't be any prouder of the OF team and the advances they're making with technology. So I'll ask you to speak a little bit about those apps, but I want to know what you're going to do next. So the damage assessment app is the app that we use when we're when we're doing all the damage assessments in the in the county. Um, that is anything from civil unrest to the vegetation fires and everything in between. We also are doing the Fire Reporter app now, and that app is an online app, and it can be accessed through going to sbcfire.org or through a QR code, and it allows you to report illegal use or sales of fireworks, and it also cuts down on the calls into 911. So that's what we received the award for this year. Some of the stuff that we're working on um, upcoming is I have an arson map that I'm working on with the cooperation of the arson unit and that map will track any suspicious fires within the county. It also is going to be having the arson registrants on that map as well as uh, juvenile fire setters and the arson investigators are able to do uh, infield surveys as well. Um, we also have the marijuana um, grow operations that we're working on and that should be released shortly and that allows OFM staff um, as they are out in the field to be able to report any illegal cells uh, areas or grow areas for the marijuana stuff. Chief? Yeah, so I, I have a question as, as Chief McClintock was talking as a little inspired do you think you can create an app to push out to our iPads and our other devices that would allow folks in the field to snap a picture provide a brief narrative and for that information to go to uh, Mike McClintock, McClintock and Tracy Martinez. Absolutely. How long would that take? Five minutes. Five minutes to create that app. Those of you that are interested in learning how to use the Esri apps, we love to demonstrate this technology to you. And if you have great ideas on how do we use technology to gather information better, data to make your jobs easier, in all aspects of County Fire, please do reach out to Tom Strong. I'll throw you under the bus to uh, to put that to put those ideas out there we want to be better we want to continue to lead thank you guys for doing that i'm going to ask you to do that map in five minutes i'll give you six <laughs> um, so we can create a better product now besides collecting the data why do we want to do this and simply put this allows us to communicate to our citizens better the firework reporting app we know where the fireworks are San Bernardino. We can, we can point to them on a map every single time. But the public, instead of calling 911, using that app and putting that information in, it allows them to feel that connection to the fire department with that community. And that's important. And our investigators are then using that to create hotspots of prioritizing where those patrols might be. And then the second aspect of allowing the public to report the illegal sales, which is keeping some of the dangerous fireworks that are creating a lot of these fires off the street. 
is amazing. I think uh, Chief Horton this morning told me there's been like 26,000 pounds already. That, yeah, and then we've received several of those online requests as well for illegal cells and the investigation unit's been working with the local law enforcement on those as well. And I understand the investigation unit's written, I think, 86 citations this year, uh, which that, that revenue is going back to paying for this investigation unit. Sean, uh, the rest of your team, Brian Headley, uh, Tom Strong, and Natalie, you guys do an amazing job. Thank you for being the best county fire employee that is in county fire. <laughs> we'll look forward to stealing you someday. What's your boss's name? Brent Rolfe. Brent, I hope you're not watching this. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Chief. The, uh, the, the next person I want to talk about isn't here today. I hope you're watching Captain Brian Nichols. Um, I'd like to read this. Please take a moment and joining me to congratulate Brian Nichols and his selection of the annual award for excellence given to one employee for the county department. Brian is this year's recipient due to Brian's dedication to assisting the fire district in achieving the countywide vision in several areas. His oversight on our EPCR system has been instrumental and I've always said it's a little crazy to find anybody to be interested in this, but Brian, thank you in doing everything you do in our EPCR system and assuring that the reports are timely, accurate, and available when requested. He recently developed an online cost recovery reporting platform that allows for personnel to obtain information utilizing our tablets and to submit electronically while on scene, saving time and assuring supplemental efficiency. Brian has also been instrumental in applying for numerous grants, providing a budgetary alternative for equipment procurement. Captain Nichols, you're always there when I call you. You're always here for the fire department. You've always stepped up. Um, in a lot of cases, you haven't waited to be called on. You've seen good things that can happen, and you've done those things. So I want to thank you, and I, it's just an honor to have you as uh, our this year's recipient of the award elect. Uh, excellent. So thank you, Brian, very much for your dedication to this fire department. Chief Washington, uh, there's been a lot of talk um, on the ambulance operator rank and the vacancies we're seeing there, but also our firefighters rank. So we've been having some very robust conversations with HR and a lot of different parties really to streamline our processes to make sure that uh, we're hiring to fill the ranks better because it is a huge concern that people aren't getting the days off that they need. Um, and often it's, it's worse than that, not even getting days off at all because they're being forced hired way too much. Um, also, the other, the other conversation that comes up a lot is uh, our fire stations, 226, 227, what's going on in Hesperia with the land purchase, uh, new training center. I think you're gonna start hearing things about that. Uh, do you mind just spending a moment talking about those things and whatever sure. else you got in your mind? Absolutely, thank you. Thank you. And hello everyone. Uh, well, first of all, just regarding the recruitment and staffing, that continues to be a top pri uh, priority for, you know, for us. So thanks to everyone who's helped us with that. Uh, as you all know, there's a lateral firefighter paramedic recruitment going on right now. Uh, it closes in two weeks. Uh, we are seeing the numbers of applications coming in, uh, but we want to see many, many, many more. So any assistance that you can give to make sure that you spread the word, share that information, uh, we'd love to have it. So our new website looks great, and there's a lot of things that are going on as far as marketing that, uh, that you know, opportunity. Uh, but any help that you can give with the firefighters that you uh, know is, would be awesome. So that closes uh, in two weeks. Also regarding our staffing, as the chief mentioned with our AOs, uh, so certainly thanks to HR and Chief uh, Barna and 
uh, and, and really more importantly, the ALs that are serving day in and day out now. We, you know, we greatly appreciate the commitment and the dedication that you've given to make sure that our ambulances stay in service and we continue providing service to the community. Uh, but the time is coming. Uh, we're already bringing more people in. We've seen some changes over the past week or two. And, uh, and, and we, uh, you know, we intend to be staffed up to over 95% per, per by this time next month. Uh, but we don't want to stop there. We want to make sure that the staffing level doesn't drop uh, ever again. So there's different changes and things that we're putting in uh, place, such as streamlined back backgrounds, finger up printing, and continuous re re recruitment efforts, uh, just to make sure that we constantly have people uh, on stand on a standby to be offered a job. So those are some things that you'll see there. The recruitments are also very, very, very busy. We're also doing some media specialists and other positions, uh, which are truly important to what we're uh, doing and the message that we want to get out. So the chief mentioned uh, Hesperia Station 302. And as you might know, uh, the board uh, gave us the support and approved the land, the land purchase uh, that was just uh, less than a month ago. And so uh, that is certainly moving through the real estate services pro uh, you know, processes at this time. So uh, that's about 4.55 acres, and uh, and you know Chief Corbin uh, has big big uh, plans uh, just to make sure that we utilize that property as best as possible. Uh, also with fi you know, fire stations, uh, the 226 uh, land deal con continues. Again, we already have the design uh, set for Station 226. Uh, we are waiting to negotiate property. So uh, we've given letters of intent to two parcels uh, just north of Station 226. Uh, we're in negotiations for one of those parcels, and it's just how those negotiations start. Somebody's high and some, you know, someone's low, and uh, we're standing by to hear from uh, the, the uh, second owner. So that process is moving along. 227. Uh, Somewhat similar, basically, uh, we have an unofficial agreement with the city to do a land to do a land swap, and so we need to formalize those discussions. Uh, it kind of starts with doing a title search, and so we've been working on on that. Uh, that title search is done, and so now we're moving on to the next steps uh, regarding 227. There's also discussions about the training uh, training center, and so uh, you know we know that that lease is running out. Uh, airport's kind enough to extend it as long as we need to get some things done, uh, but we're having those discussions. And so we have Chief Hubble and the training division uh, giving us feedback on uh, what kind of models we want to look at, and we're planning a tour with real estate services so we can be uh, you know, begin developing the CIP to make sure that uh, we do that project just right. So that's ongoing. Uh, also, we have the uh, Havasu Senior Center uh, just for future plans that we're looking at doing in the South Desert. And so uh, uh, that pro uh, you know, process, we're actually looking to close on, on, uh, on, that property, on that property, hopefully in the next 30 days. Uh, so that's kind of an overview of the, hi the highlights of what we're doing with facilities. Uh, you know, also, I just want to give thanks to our apparatus uh, uh, committee and vehicle services 
Uh, we have Dale there who's uh, doing a, fan, a fantastic job negotiating apparatus replacement, re coming up with plans. And so they are completing an, an, an uh, inspection on a new TDA uh, as well as a new water tender this month. And so we all know that process takes a little while. The TDA is about 1.5 million. And again, it could take up to one and a half to two to two years to uh, build. But all these plans and replacements are in Pro and uh, you know, process and they just con con continue to flow along. So uh, thanks to everyone who's been working on that. Uh, also want to give thanks to MIS. Uh, as you all may know, uh, there was the recent Citrix rollout and thin and thin clients. And so really the purpose behind that is to make sure that you have as few glitches as possible. The computer systems that you're utilizing work very, very well and you have few problems to present obstacles for you to get the work uh, done. So uh, thank you for the feedback that you've been given Yvonne and her uh, crew. And uh, you know we think that that's been going really, really well based on your feedback. So uh, please keep that feedback coming. And uh, then the last thing I probably mentioned is uh, grants. So you know we have a team of people that work on grants. We brought those folks together. So I definitely wanna share uh, a thanks to Diane, Nydia, Tina, Terry, uh, Erica, Ka Katrina, uh, Ryan Webb, Chiefs Glaze, and Barna, uh, they all came together and basically what our plan is is to make sure that we understand uh, as many of the grant funding sources that are out there and available and that we get that information out throughout the fire, you know, fire district and then we ensure that we're uh, uh, you know, going after uh, different grants uh, as best we can to, uh, you know, just kind of ease the burden of some of our budget challenges and make sure that we have the best uh, tools and equipment for your services. So with that, uh, Chief, I think that covers all the items. Thank you very much, Chief Washington. Uh, as always, please submit your questions. Tracy's monitor those. If you have any questions on anything we covered, we're happy to revisit those. Um, if there's anything we haven't spoken about, please send that question in so we can answer them. Chief Marshall, would you give us an operationals update? Thank you. Yeah, good afternoon, Fire family. Um, I guess the big update uh, that everybody wants to hear is today's June 15th. Um, the governor has released all of the, uh, the mask mandates and all of the COVID mandates. Um, however, the county is still a little behind and um, they're working with OSHA and we should have a message out on June 17th. Um, the, the most important thing to remember right now is, is fully vaccinated individuals are not going to have to wear masks. They're not going to have to do social distancing. So um, we're not going to violate your rights and ask you those kind of questions. But if you are not fully vaccinated, we encourage you to do so. And if you are not and you have not received the vaccination, you're still going to need to wear those masks when um, coming in contact with people. So look for something later this week that's officially removing all of those restrictions. Um, I would have loved to have done that today. We've had a message prepared for months. Um, however, we're in the, the county uh, bureaucracy that we have to follow. So um, that's, our, that's our update for the masks. A couple of numbers to throw out there for you. For the AOs, I know you've been struggling. We've been on your conference calls. We've been talking about the staffing. We know that it's an issue. Um, Chief Washington talked about some of the percentages. Um, we just started four new AOs. Uh, they're in the field process, FTO training process now. Um, on January, or no, sorry, January, don't go there. June 21st, uh, we'll start another seven. 
um, that day and then on July 5th we'll start another seven that day so there is relief coming there um, I've been making my rounds going around all the stations I appreciate the time that all of you that have, have got to meet with me have spent with me um, trying to just get rid of a lot of the rumors that are out there and, and there's some doozies out there believe me um, so I appreciate your time in doing that um, anytime you have questions and you want a direct answer send me an email a text a phone call um, I'm always available for those things so I don't mind doing that um, first do so first do is a product it's it's an it's an electronic product that's actually for pre-planning um, Confire is bought into first do so all of our, our partner agencies along with us will be will be um, participating with first do first do is you can actually go online and you can look at all the pre-plans for um, commercial residential any structure that we have in the county so they work through building departments all of those things that's going to be available to you on tablet command soon um, chief McClintock uh, came down here as admin and he got suckered into a lot of other things that he didn't know he was going to be doing so um, we appreciate his help on that but that's going to be coming out as well we look forward to seeing that technology um, at your fingertips when you're out there on the street using it um, lastly um, I'd be uh, I'd hate to not mention it um, on Saturday is uh, Captain Mo Doro's uh, memorial service it's up in the high desert um, if you haven't got the information, um, it's out there. Chief Corbin and Chief Kelly Anderson are both um, um, active in um, planning that um, for him. Um, if you can, I'd, I'd encourage you to attend. We have a, a pretty strong uh, on-duty pre presence that will be there. Um, I'll be there. I'm sure the chief will be there. So um, as we sign off uh, at the end of this, um, just keep Mo and his family in your hearts, thoughts, and prayers. Thank you. Chief, uh, yes, absolutely. Saturday, I'll be there for Mo and his family, and uh, would encourage all our members to attend if they can. Uh, you know, please go through your battalion chief if you're on duty. But it's uh, Mo served us for a long time, and I'll never forget uh, the day that Atlanta joined our county fire department and learning that their assistant fire chief was going to become a, a captain here and uh, meeting him for the first time, and then years later seeing him up on a roof, thinking that. Uh, you know that he, he was super dedicated to this career for a long long time we'll spend a little bit talking about the budget first I want to talk about the strategy um, the first strategy is the term general fund support now that's been a term that we've used for a long time we've asked for support with the general fund so what is the general fund the general fund is property taxes that the county of San Bernardino gets from the entire county. So it's not just our jurisdiction. This would be Chino and Rancho and Ontario, Big Bear City, um, along with the communities in our jurisdictions, the San Bernardinos, the Uplands, the Yucca Valley. So every unincorporated area and incorporated area in the county pays some money through their property taxes into the general fund. So the premise of general fund support over the years is that um, the board felt like they shouldn't give general fund support to a special district, the fire district. And the reason is, is if they gave general fund support to, the prop, to our fire district, then they would need to give it to all the fire districts or the CSDs out there. And so there was a reluctance to do that. And so the strategy was to take the term support out of the equation. That's not what it is. Uh, we received general fund money to pay for fire protection and enhance services in those areas that have no tax revenue. 
where there is no FP5s. So about 70% of our district is federal land. And that federal land, there's no property tax. The federal government does not pay the county of San Bernardino or the fire district any money in the form of property tax. And there is no FP5. Yet we've always provided service there. And so the way the county fire is organized is based on service zone. We have four geographical zones, the North Desert, the South Desert, the Valley, and the Mountain service zones. And most, most of us know about where those are. The money that's raised in those service zones, the property taxes, the FP5s, the fees, the other various revenues, must be spent in those service zones, not geographical service zones. We also have one that overlays the entire uh, county fire jurisdiction, that's our administrative service zone. But the money in the South Desert must be spent in the South Desert, North Desert, Mountains, or the Valley. Well, the problem is, is that when you're responding to federal land, if there's no money that's coming in other than the property tax, the FP5, and the fees, then you're literally asking the citizens in the North Deserts to pay for responses into the federal lands. So you're asking for the Hesperia residents to pay some of their tax dollars to support operations in between Baker and, and Barstow, for instance. Um, what, we, what we ask the board is to pay for those services in those unfunded areas, to pay for the enhanced services. Lately, we've had a lot of train derailments in the North Desert, and every time we've had one, we've made a point to, um, to, to discuss with the board members that this is in federal land where we don't receive any property tax, yet we're asking the citizens of Hesperia uh, Green, to in Fontana to send out hazmat units to this federal land for a response. And that's not right. And that's where that general fund money goes to. It's for special enhancements. So over the last two years, we've worked in changing the general fund that was decided on every single year into MOUs, which guarantee us money uh, to provide those services. So the first MOU that we did just over a year ago was for what we call the LAFCO gap, which is almost $10 million, but it was to bridge the gap of when LAFCO was formed and the amount of revenue that was expected to be needed by the district and the money that we actually had. The County of San Bernardino agreed to give us that money and they, they did it in the form of an MOU. It was almost $10 million. The second MOU came uh, this past Tuesday, so a week ago uh, today, in the board meeting as part of our budget hearing and the board agreed to allocate $13.9 million. So it's a to total of almost $24 million to the district. Now this $13.9 million was for very specific reasons uh, in the MOU. So um, you can look at the board action item. You can pull this up. You can ask one of your staff analysts. I'm sure that they can, they can do this for you. But in the board action item, in the San Bernardino County MOU between Memorandum of Understanding Agreement between the San Bernardino County Fire Protection District and the County of San Bernardino for Fire Protection and Emergency Medical Services. It lists that, that we're going to do certain things. Um, these are the district's going to continualize to use existing revenue to pay for a contract with Kern County. Now, some of you may know that we pay Kern County to provide fire protection from four corners, Kramer Junction, so along 58 there at Kramer Junction, and then up 395 to the Kern border. So the money's to be used for that. Then the second piece 
is to pay for wildland services. Now previously the board had given us general fund support for the inmate anchor. But with the inmates and the realignment, we're not having inmates. We wanted to change that to the wildland program. So they're now dedicating money to that wildland program, guaranteed. The helicopter with the sheriff's department specifically mentioned in that, that's a cost that the district pays every single year. And so they provide us with the funding that we need to support that program. I know there's been some talk occasionally, you hear people say, well, the sheriff's helicopter, um, we shouldn't spend district money on that. Well, we don't. It's, it's general fund that's paying for that service, which is very valuable and has proven itself to be very valuable to the residents of our county. Uh, and it's just a great cooperative program with the Sheriff's Department and the Fire Department. The MOU also indicates that it's paying for the station in Baker. Some of you know that there is a Baker Fire Department that exists in Baker and that the, the property tax in Baker does not go to county fire at all. It goes to the Baker Fire CSD and so that money is designated for Baker. So by forming MOUs, we're securing a foundation for county fire, and it's removing the subjectivity of how much board support should we give to the fire district every single year. Now this is important because property taxes are climbing. We saw increases this year like we haven't seen in a long, long time. That money's all been programmed primarily back into um, salary and benefits, but we're also starting to think about if we, can, if we continue to run the fire district like we are, we're going to have additional money for staffing. The reason why it's important to lock in these MOUs is that every single year, I ask Dave Corbin and Scott Tuttle specifically to do very hard jobs. I ask them to manage a division, and then we give Scott Tuttle uh, a million or two million dollars of general fund dollars, and then we give uh, Chief Corbin seven or eight million dollars of general fund, and we say, hey, run your division. But at the end of the year, if they save too much money, then there's this feeling that they'll lose that money in general fund in the future. And so it's very hard to get ahead. It's very hard to manage the district. So by guaranteeing the funding in MOUs, now that allows Chief Corbin and Chief Tuttle to manage their budgets, look for the efficiencies, and the dollars that they save will remain in those service zones. Specifically, we know that we need to increase staffing in the North Desert. Gotta happen. We know that we have to increase staffing in the South Desert. Let me tell you, the board knows this too. We've uh, recently had conversations with, uh, with Supervisor Cook's office in regards to Havasu Lake and some of the other fire stations out there and what are our needs. And then we've had lots of uh, questions from city managers like Frank Lucchino and 29 Palms asking about additional staffing in the South Desert. And then we certainly, having worked those areas and, and spending a lot of our careers on the fire engines, um, know there's a need and that we hear it regularly from, from you. So we want to thank you for advocating. But with this budget, we do hear a lot of rumors. Um, Chief Marshall came back after visiting some stations and he, he mentioned that some of, the, some of the talk around the table was that each board member has $200 million in discretionary funds. Um, that's not true. And, and if they did, that's literally a billion dollars. The county would not program a billion dollars like that. They actually have very little discretionary funding, but their support means everything in being able to increase staffing, increasing the services that this fire district does, but they don't have that kind of money in which they can allocate to the fire district. The other rumor we heard was that the district um, is supposed to get $47 million in general fund. I'm not sure where that rumor came from. We, uh, in the past, if you look back the seven or eight 
uh, past budget years, you'll see that the maximum that we ever got in general fund support was about 27 million. Um, some years we had a great, less than half of that. It's fluctuated through the years. This year being able to guarantee $24 million and knowing that we're going to be able to guarantee this in the future really puts us on a good foundation and allows us to manage that budget a lot better. So I'd like to recommend to everybody that you go back and look at last Tuesday's board meetings. There's just a lot of great information in there in the form of the MOU and um, in, in some of the other information that's in the package in regards to how the district is managing uh, its money. I do want to speak a, a couple of the notes that I had on the budget. The total budget was $301.3 million, which was an increase of 22.3 million from the previous year. Uh, our budgeted staffing is 1,064 employees, which is a reflection of seven additional employees. Now, last year we had the REACH employees still on the books, so those REACH employees came off. That's an additional six uh, positions, so actually it's a net increase of 13 positions. However, we had some carryovers from the previous year. Uh, there was an increased cost for the replacement of Fire Station 226 and 227 in our budget. It's budgeted for, we're moving rapidly forward to rebuilding those stations as Chief Washington spoke about. There was money in there specifically to purchase Station 23 in Grand Terrace. That's kind of a surprise maybe for some people. We didn't actually own the fire station in Grand Terrace. The city of Grand Terrace did. They've agreed to sell that fire station to us for just over a million dollars. There was an increase for uh, a medic squad, Station 79 in Fontana. That's part of the Fontana contract and the great work that Chief Birchfield's doing. That's funded by the city contract revenue. And then while I said we're increasing 22.3 million, mid-budget year, we increased our budget with some CARE Act. So if you were to back the, that CARE Act funding that we got mid-budget year, our, our increase in our budget's actually much larger. But it does show a decrease in the elimination of the one-time CARE Act funding that we received. The CAD to CAD project was almost $7 million. The ECNS program was about $900,000 and then regional dispatch improvements. So that was all money allocated by the board for CARE Act, specifically in response to COVID. Not so much for county fire, but for the entire region. However, it was provided to us in our budget so we can manage those programs. One of the most notable changes in our budget was the establishment of the EMS division. And that's the great work that Chief Barna has been doing. And so if you look there, you'll see some decrease in positions in some of our service zones. That doesn't mean that we've decreased positions. And what it means is that we took the positions that were allocated to the North Desert Service Zone, mountains, et cetera, and we move them to the EMS Service Zone. So I think there's a total of 102 positions that are now in our EMS division. Our EMS division has its own budget, which is important for, for Chief uh, Barnett to continue to manage that budget and, and really look at how do we improve the system? How do we make sure that we're supporting you? How do we continue to do uh, some of the great stuff that you folks have been doing? There was also an increase, Chief Washington mentioned the training center. And so in our budget was $820,000 that were transferred in for the relocation of our training center. This is primarily to look at the land and start the design. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. Chief Washington's been very engaged with uh, residential services division and tying in with Chief Hubble and starting to explore the great training centers that are around us. You know where they're at, Rancho, Ontario, 
up at the Victor Valley. Those are all great facilities and County Fire would like one too. So we're going to start programming our budget to making sure that we have a great place for, for our folks to come in and train. So we're happy with the budget. We're happy with the direction we're going. The, uh, we believe that the direction we're going with solidifying MOUs on a permanent basis is going to give us a form, firm footprint of county fire. It's going to take some of the debate every single year of how much general fund we're going to have. It'll eliminate those swings of getting 27 one year and 10 millions the next, and it'll allow us to be a lot more secure. The FP5 repeal, I mentioned very quickly that Red Brennan is out there gathering signatures. Uh, there's been some talk that folks don't believe they're going to gather enough signatures. I don't know that to be true. I think that they're going to put money towards this. I think that you're going to see them when you're out and about in your communities. I want to thank you for, um, for doing what you do, which is engaging professionally with these individuals. I know how frustrating it is. Please know that the vast majority of the public loves you. They love this fire department. Um, and if Red Brennan wants to go out and collect enough signatures again, I know that the public's going to continue to side with this fire department. Our strategy for this, again, is, is to bring Chief McClintock in to make sure we're giving great communication, and we've updated our website. So if you go to our website, same address, it's going to look drastically different. We would love to have your impressions on the new website. If you could email any suggestions to Tracy Martinez, she's really looking for great help in, in seeing what improvements we can do. We want to make sure we have a great Ford um, face to this department. Tracy, do you want to say anything about that? No, Ben and the rest of the committee worked very hard on it. But if you see any errors or if there's any improvements or something you'd like to see on it, please, like the chief said, please let me know. Thank you, Tracy and Ben, for all the work that you do. In addition to that, we've increased uh, two media specialists. Those, these individuals are going to help create videos and content. They're going to be there to support the field PIOs. They're going to be here to support Tracy and the team. They're really going to work on getting the county fire message out clearly. So again, those of you that have been working so hard to advocate for our depart fire department so long, thank you very much. We're looking forward to supporting you on new levels like we never have before. Your message has been important, and you're a great reason why this fire department is uh, viewed nationally as being a leader in what you folks do every single year. Community meetings are starting up. I think last week I went to uh, three, which was uh, Crestline, Lake Arrowhead, and Lucerne Valley. This week we've seen the fire marshal, Chief Washington actually has gone with Chief Birchfield, the fire marshal's office, to Upland. Uh, San Bernardino City is doing the state of the city tonight. Uh, tomorrow will be San Bernardino City uh, regular council meeting we're going to be there we're doing presentations we're out there and we're engaged uh, folks we need your help in this if uh, if community groups are meeting and we don't know about it if you would let Tracy Martinez know so we can work on getting one of our chief officers there captains please I know it's not fun to go to these meetings sometimes but your connections with the community means everything and this is the time to step up and to go to those meetings listen interact uh, get there a few minutes early Spend some time with the folks answering questions. Let the kids climb on the fire engine. Stay just a couple of minutes late. But be active in those community meetings because a lot of people that are concerned about FP5, they're going to start going to these meetings and they're going to be speaking with a loud voice. Having the fire department there and our big red billboard is going to mean everything. Like Battalion Chief McClintock said, send in a snapshot of you at those community meetings. Just send it to myself or Chief McClintock. We'll, you know, it goes a long way. Absolutely. 
And I wasn't kidding about that app. We're gonna create an app, put it on the iPad, and you can just take your iPad and snap a picture and write a short description, and it'll go to Mike. The technology's there, we can do this super quick. But give us the great stories, the great things that uh, our folks are doing every single year. Make sure you let us know. Two reasons, one is we wanna thank them, and two, we wanna tell our communities how valuable our firefighters and our fire staff is every single day. With that, I think I'm done with the general update, but I know there's gotta be some questions. Yes, there's a few questions. First, will there be any reclassifications of fire admin staff in the near future? Yes, there is. Uh, Chief Washington specifically, um, Yvonne Robbins, two and a half, three years ago, um, there was a classification study and they recognized that she needed to be into a manager's position, so that's just been finalized. And then the same thing happened with uh, Corbin Dorado, who's done a great job, and Dale Sandoval. So that was based on a classification from three years ago study. And so over the last three years, we've slowly been um, doing some of these adjustments. Uh, we've been holding true to that since I've been the fire chief. There's maybe a couple more that are notable. Would you want to speak on those? Sure, and uh, you know, really, I, I think the important part to mention is that uh, speaking with HR and just looking at uh, their processes, uh, what they tend to want to do is uh, every so often, so every three maybe to five years, they want to look at all of the classifications. Now, I don't know what total number of classifications that they have, and uh, how. Uh, you know whether or not they have the capacity to meet that time that timeline uh, but those discussions are occurring and we've established a regular meeting where we can start uh, first just identifying and being very clear on what all of our classifications are and then uh, under understanding when was the last time that each of those have been e e e evaluated so uh, that's kind of the process that we're setting up just to make sure that the priorities are in uh, place and we have a recurring uh, system so that we can make sure that that gets done. So besides that, uh, I, I think that uh, I can't think of any other classifications uh, or reclassifications that are in place right at this time. Uh, but you know, if anything comes up, we'll let you know. All county fire offices um, to reopen fully? I expect that to happen before the end of the month. And again, that's just my expectation, uh, just based on some of the co uh, you know, conversations and information that I've, uh, that I've seen. Uh, but our HR business partners are working on clarifying that information now. And we really hope to have some information out before the end of the week to verify that some sort of official statement. A little additional information on that. We, we just had a department head meeting and uh, the, the question was asked throughout the county of San Bernardino is uh, when, when is our staff returning to work? Uh, is telework going to be allowed anymore? Uh, when are the offices expected to be open? And, and the answer from the CEO is, well, your offices at this point should be open, every single one of them. Uh, if they're not, you need to transition to the point where they're fully opened that it was expected that the governor providing his guidance in two days, I think on the 17th, that that would be the day when we would expect our staff to return to work. However, some of the department heads uh, raised their hand very quickly and said, well, that's really not enough time for some of our folks. And it was told, we were told generally expected that within one pay period, we would have a transition to our folks back to work. Now, with that said, uh, telework has proven to be valuable in a lot of instances. 
I think the county philosophy is, is that we should be very careful and limited on who we allow to telework. It's got to be very specific. So supervisors are going to be asked to evaluate their current telework employees to determine if there's valid reasons why that person should not come to a physical workplace. And if so, they'll need to submit a plan through HR, a, tele, a new teleworking plan explaining um, why and what are, why, why it's more beneficial to do telework and how it's going to be beneficial to the public. And then those will be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis. Tracy, you handed me another question. Uh, in light of the state lifting most restrictions and revised Kalosha guidance, as well as the governor stating he will sign an executive order this week uh, related to workplace mass unit usage. When do you expect our rules to change? I think Chief Marshall answered that, but in two days we'll watch the governor's orders. It's expected at this time that vaccinated employees will no longer need to wear masks. Non-vaccinated employees will need to continue to wear masks, um, with some exceptions. Now, how do they manage that? I don't know. That's going to be a conversation with labor and with, with HR on how to actually manage that. They are also recommending that we, we continue with the temperature screens in a non-mandatory function um, that may be mandatory for some of our public facing areas, but it may be non-mandatory for just our general workplace environment. So more to come on that as soon as we have the good information. I know Chief Marshall will be putting that out in an email. Another question was, what is the status of the new headquarters for our department? Did we ever finalize plans for building on Tippy Canoe next to the U.S. Forest Service? Chief Washington, you want me to take that or you got it? I'm going to get to you. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes, yes, no. Uh, so plans are being final, uh, you know, finalized. That might be a better way to say it. Uh, the plan is definitely full steam ahead moving forward. Uh, there's some uh, new issues that kind of popped up that have to do with, I believe it's uh, debt service and some other fiscal items. Uh, those are expected to be resolved over the next couple of weeks. And then once that goes before the authority that deals with those issues, uh, then, it'll, then it'll be ready to go to our fire board. So uh, again, yes, um, the plans to make that move are final, uh, of course, but there's still some uh, hurdles that we have to jump and pro you know, processes that we have to navigate through and uh, you know to get us to a construction phase so I, I think that's where we are and probably kind of covers the question thank you Chief. all right so we do have another question that just came in chief marshall's going to answer it can you touch on when the public will be allowed back in the building such as the public uh, to use for our meeting rooms uh, so we can we can allow that right now um, if we have a meeting room and we have public uh, that's asking to use one of our rooms, we can allow that. Um, obviously, until we have the full suspension of the mask wearing, um, we would expect them to wear masks and all of those things. Just making sure that we're doing normal disinfection procedures before and after any of their visits. So that can happen today. No more questions, Chief. Okay. Well, Probably a minute left to ask questions. If you do have some, please uh, let Tracy know on, on chat. You can always text us. Uh, we want to thank you for those that did send in questions. I want to thank each and every one of you for the dedication this fire department, the things that you do every single day. This FP5 repeal, repeal we're going to take it in stride. We're going to continue to move forward. There's some great things happening. The safer grant, I don't think we spoke on that. Um, we're really looking forward to that. That's going to be the incremental increasing in our staffing in those places that truly need it. 
That award hasn't been announced yet. We're waiting for FEMA. We're, we're watching very carefully, but due to COVID, FEMA is very slow in announcing those awards. As soon as we have that information on that SAFER grant, we'll let you know. And of course, we're still waiting on, for information on our, our uh, training grant, our supply grant, our equipment grant, and our regional grant that we've submitted for. As Chief Marshall mentioned earlier, uh, I wanna end this in honor of, of Mo. His memorial service is this Saturday at 11 a.m. I wanna thank Chief Kelly Anderson for everything you've done in um, working and your team in supporting Mo and his family. So that'll be June 19th, 11 a.m. at the High Desert Church at 14545 Hook Boulevard. That's 14545 Hook Boulevard in Victorville, California. Class A is preferred to this event. Um, we're looking forward to the new Class B uniforms that we have. If you have a Class A, please wear it. Those of you that have Class B, that, that is acceptable. There'll be a reception right after. Uh, there will be uh, agencies attending. There'll be apparatus there. And uh, we want to wish the condolences to Mo's family. So Tracy's indicating one more, one more uh, question's coming in. Well, with the increase of fires and other incidents relating to illegal grows in rural areas, has the department looked at extra funding to help with the increased cost to local stations? When you're in the South Desert, North Desert, it's crazy how many grows exist. And um, we've been to plenty of community meetings. We've talked to the board about, and the sheriff's department about how, why aren't you closing down these grows? It just doesn't make sense that somebody can squat on somebody's land, they can steal water, and they can grow these plants. Um, and it has a lot to do with state law and it has a lot to do with local code and ordinances. The supervisors are working really hard to empower the sheriff's department to um, be able to get the search warrants that they, they, they need to get to immediately go on and, and clear these properties out. The sheriff's done a good job with their team. They've received a lot of money. They're working with code enforcement in the ratification of this. As far as fire department response, we're monitoring the increase in calls and we're providing that data to the county. Um, while it seems like there's a huge uptick in calls because of this, there really isn't, at least not what's reportable in our data. So we need to capture that information better. Uh, those of you that are in Lucerne Valley, where it was hugely affected in 29 Palms, Joshua Tree, Yucca Valley. Um, if you're going on these calls, make a note of them. Please let your battalion chief know. Let's collect how much response, what, what are our efforts, what are we doing to mitigate these calls? Because if there is a huge impact to the fire district, we need to be able to communicate that. But again, the key is the data collection. Uh, I wanna ask you guys to be careful when you're responding to those areas, I recognize that it's extremely dangerous. There has been several reports of civilians being shot at that are verified by the Sheriff's Department. They recognize how dangerous it is. As always, company officers, if you don't feel safe, stay out of the area, notify law enforcement, and then proceed once you're escorted and once the scene is clear. Keep your crews safe. Um, we, I do believe, though, that the tack that the supervisors are on, the county's on, uh, placing not only resolutions, changing code, but also trying to do amendments to state law. I believe that they're going to start turning the corner on this, but it's gonna take two to three years. This is the situation that we're in. Uh, it's unheard of. I, I, don't, I don't really have any other comments for that other than if you have great ideas, I need you to be our, our eyes and ears. You need to communicate that up, to your, up the chain and make sure that gets to Chief Marshall so we know what your needs are so we can support you. 
Thank you very much for joining us. Again, I'd like to adjourn in the memory of Mo Darrell. Thank you.